Wonderful. You know, because here's the reality. We're being commissioned as a church too. Like we're making an agreement that we're going to live out the faith. We're going to model for these children. And as they grow up, we're going to pour into them. We're going to teach them. We're going to disciple them. What a, what a high calling we have. All right, so we're opening our Bibles, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And I, I just have one question for you. Do you believe that Jesus is able? Do you believe that Jesus is able? Do you believe that Jesus is able to move in power and in presence in your life today? Do you believe that Jesus can move mountains and heal sickness and even raise the dead? Do you believe in the power of Jesus in your life today? Do you believe? Huh. You know, we often say yes. But we've been conditioned to believe no. And here's, here's what I mean by that. We're often taught as we read the Gospels that mostly what we're reading is descriptive. And, he, and here's what I mean by that. Like all of the miraculous and all of the healing and all of the power that was on display or on display in the Gospels was in, uh, in operation for like a narrow three-year three period of Jesus' earthly ministry. And maybe that power was moving in a little sliver of early church history, but at some point along the way, even though the Scriptures never teach it, Somehow, the power and presence of Jesus in and through the person of the Holy Spirit would cease to move in miraculous ways. To where miraculous passages that we read are purely descriptive or spiritualized. Where we're indirectly taught that we should not expect God to move in power in our life, not like that. I mean, sure, yes, Jesus is going to move in power. I mean, yes, I'll, I'll pray about our finances, and, and then a check's going to come into the exact amount. And that's kind of the extent of the power we're talking about. But when I read the New Testament, and I read of Jesus and his ministry, I see real power on display. Like, power that literally healed sickness. Power that literally raised the dead. Power that literally calmed a storm. I see, I see the Lord moving in miraculous ways. And then we move into the New Testament beyond the Gospels, and we see the Lord continuing to do that in and through His presence and the Holy Spirit in the church, that Jesus said, power will come upon you. That Jesus' presence in the church is manifest in power. Which is interesting and sort of frustrating because as I read the Gospels, there's so many healings and there's so many miracles. There's so much power on display. There's so many healings and so many miracles and so much power on display in the early church. The question is, what about today? Do you believe that Jesus can move in real power today? Matthew chapter 9, verse 26. News of this spread through all that region. News of what? Y'all remember for last week? Jesus raised the dead. News of that spread. Like Jesus 
took that little girl by the hand and she got up. She was dead and then she lived. News of that spread throughout the whole region. That's power. Verse 27, as Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? I mean, just imagine if Jesus is asking you this question today. Do you believe I can do this? We say yes, but we often have a tendency to believe more of a no. Like blindness? Really? Uh, when he had gone indoors, do you believe? And they said, yes, Lord, they replied. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was what? Restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this, but they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. What is that? It's a miracle. Hmm. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. I'd say nothing like that's been seen anywhere. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons, throwing shade. He's demonic. So we're first introduced to two blind men who cry out. And it, and it literally reads like they kept crying out, oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. They are crying out for what? What do these blind men want? They want their sight. They want healing. They somehow believed that as Jesus had moved in power in other people's lives, that he could move in power in their life. And they are crying out for healing. They had this belief that because Jesus had healed others, he would be able to heal them as well. We're told that they're blind. But what's fascinating about this is though they were blind, they were able to see what others could not. In fact, what even the religious leaders of the day could not, and even the disciples couldn't see at this point. And, it, and it's all captured in the name and the title that they give to Jesus, Son of David. Son of David. Somehow these blind men had divine revelation as to the true identity of who Jesus is. You see, when some saw Jesus, they saw a healer. Others saw a prophet. Others saw a teacher, which is all accurate, but Jesus is so much more. Son of David is a significant title used more in Matthew's gospel than any other gospel account. It is because Matthew's gospel is written with a specific purpose in mind. Can anyone remember what the purpose of Matthew is? To present Jesus as what? king. We're first introduced to the title Son of David in the very first verse of Gospels Matthew, uh, Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of David. You see, what Matthew is declaring from the very first words of his gospel account is that Jesus is the 
king. That Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecies delivered to King David through Nathan the prophet over a thousand years before Jesus was born. That we are told that David was, was given this prophecy that he was to have a son. And not just any son, but a promised son who would not just be a king like Solomon, but the king. A king whose kingdom would endure forever. A king whose rule and authority would be established forever. The son of David. That when you read and when we read son of David, we should immediately say Jesus is the king. That when we read in Matthew 1.1, son of David, Jesus is the king. Matthew 9.27, Jesus is the king. Matthew 12.23, Jesus is the king. Matthew 21.15, Jesus is the king. Matthew 22.41, Jesus is the king. Muhammad Ali may have floated like a butterfly and stung like a bee, but Jesus is the king. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Come on. Jesus is the king. <laughs> he rules. All power and all authority, all dominion is under him that all will bow before his august presence. Worship him, church. See him. Revelation chapter 1. Oh, that we would have eyes to see. Oh, Lord, give us eyes to see right now. Oh, that you would take the scales from our eyes. You take the apathy from our souls. My Lord, we would wake up. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, said John. When I turned, I saw among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair of his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, when I saw him, writes John, I fell down as if I was dead. His presence was so awesome. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. Now look, I am alive forever and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> and then he dangled some keys. Oh, yeah. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. 
Jesus has absolute authority. He dangles the keys. He has authority over death and hell, over earth and the universe. He has absolute authority over the church. He has absolute authority over our lives. If we call ourselves Christians, that means we are servants, and that means he is the Lord, and we take a posture where he is the king of our life. This was no ordinary common healer or religious teacher. They knew Jesus was the king. Now do you? Do you really know that Jesus is the king? We will notice that Jesus never corrects the blind men. He never goes, oh, oh, hey, guys, that whole son of David thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're looking for someone else. Jesus never says that. They got it right. Matthew 9, 28, when he had gone indoors, the king invites them in. The blind men came to him and he asked them, listen to this question, do you believe that I am able to do this? I want you to really think about that question. Do you really believe I mean, really. Do you really believe that Jesus has the power to heal blindness and to cast out demons and to heal fevers and to calm storms? Do you believe that Jesus has the power to raise the dead? Do you believe that Jesus can move in power? And some of us are like, well, I mean, not like that. I mean, that was then. We sort of hesitate. Let me get more personal. Do you believe that Jesus can powerfully move in your life? Do you believe that Jesus can literally bring about the miraculous in your life today? Do you believe that Jesus can move in power in your life? Do you believe that Jesus can move in power in your life? Do you really believe that Jesus can move in power in your life today? I believe that Jesus is able to do anything and everything we ask him in faith. I believe that Jesus has the power to do anything we ask him in faith. Will he? That is sovereignly up to him. It is sovereignly up to his will how he moves. I don't have the authority to tell Jesus what to do, but I am called to have the faith to ask him to move. It is not my job to hash out all the details. So, so often, I, you know, we do this, like we make our prayers. We're like, we're like okay, God, I just want to, okay, I'm talking to you. I just want to make sure, like, hey, you, you don't really have to do it this way, but it would be really nice if you could go ahead and heal, sort of, but I don't want to put, you know, it's up to you. It's totally up to your sovereign will. No, 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 no. We, like, provide all these loopholes, like, somehow, like, God's trying to get out of the contract when Jesus said, anything you ask in my name is yes and amen. So it's almost like we don't have the faith to really pray that way. We're trying to give God all the outs. And I'm like, whose reputation are we trying to protect? Because it certainly isn't God. He put it all on the line. He stated it all clearly in his text. Whose reputation are we trying to protect? We'll go out on a limb 
and just say, Jesus, please heal. I believe you can. Listen to this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, that if you can measure it, it's, it's not big enough. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. So that means if you can take out your little faith ruler and you're measuring it 12 inches at a time and you can go ahead and map it on out there, then it's not big enough. You get your 25-foot tape measure, you're like, if you can measure it, not big enough. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could hope or even imagine. How big's your imagination? You know, often when it comes to our own view of God, it can be pretty small, pretty narrow. Do you believe? If you do, then our prayers should respond with that of the blind men. Yes, Lord, they replied. Yes, Lord, I know you can heal me. Yes, Lord, I know you can set me free. Yes, Lord, I know you can raise up my life. Yes, Lord, I know you can fill me with power and presence and with your glory. Yes, Lord, unlocks the doors. Yes, Lord, I believe. Matthew 9, 29 then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. There is a direct correlation between these blind men, their faith, and their healing. There is a direct correlation between faith and healing. There is a direct correlation between faith and any work of God in our lives. Faith is the necessary ingredient to experience the powerful work of God in our life. We have been conditioned to believe that though Jesus moved in power and healing in the first century, he no longer does today. That somehow the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the church and there were healings and demons were being cast out and people raised from the dead and the gospel being preached in power. But somehow year after year, decade after decade, century after century, the power of God sort of wore off. It's kind of like those blue jeans. They are looking sweet when you first get them. They fit all the right places. You're like, Ooh, this is sweet. You wash them a couple times, they start to fade. Wash them a few more times, they start to fade. And then after a while, it just gets put back in the back of the closet. That somehow God moved in power in the church, but somehow year after year, decade after decade, century after century, just kind of washed off. And we just kind of put the power of God in the back of the closet, and we kind of talk about Holy Spirit, and we kind of talk about His powerful work. But we, we were like, but that was back then, so let's just go ahead and put that back in that room back there, and let's make sure our faith is purely intellectual. Let's study God. Let's put God up under a microscope. Let's learn everything we can about him, but let's not actually have a relationship with the living God in and through Holy Spirit where Jesus and Father come and dwell in us. Jesus said, we are going to come make our home in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Today we have the Bible. We don't need miracles. We don't need healings. 
We have the scriptures. And, and when I hear that concept, I'm like, yes, we do. We need healing every day. You're telling me you don't need healing today? We need healing every single day. Why do we keep going to the medicine cabinet? Why do you keep calling that doctor? Oh, it's you again. Yeah, man. <laughs> Why do you eat kale? <laughs> You're telling me you don't need miracles in your life today? You don't need God to move mountains in your life today? You don't wake up some days and you're like, God, I need you to move in power. Every day. We need the miraculous movement of God every day. We need the miraculous healing of God every day. We need him to come into the depths of our being and heal scars we didn't know we had, to open those old ancient boxes we don't want to deal with. We need him to move the junk out of our soul so that we can be more full of him, so that we can experience healing at every fiber of our being, like down at the cellular level. Yes, we need healing, and yes, we need miracles. Hmm. <sighs> When you have an intimate relationship with the living God, you come into the presence of power. The scriptures are saturated with the miraculous. What if everything we read about in the Gospels is still available to us in the presence of Jesus and his church? We do pray for healing. We talk about miracles. But it's always like, yeah, that'd be cool if that happened. I mean, it probably won't. Well, it sure be cool. It's like seeing a, a, you know, a double rainbow. Doesn't happen all the time, but gosh, when it happens, wow, that's cool. Um, you know what that says? We don't really have faith. Here's one of the major reasons we don't see Jesus moving in raw power in his church in and through Holy Spirit today. It's because we have so little faith. We have more faith in aspirin than we do in Jesus. We have faith in new cures that are coming out than we do in Jesus. We have more faith in the economy than Jesus. We got more faith in politics than Jesus. We got more faith in astrological signs to give us some type of direction. Whoa, that's so true. I have all those character, those personality. That's so similar to me. Oh, you're a Pisces too? I don't know what a Pisces is. I have, I'm cancer. I'm a crab. But I do. People like read the horoscopes. They're like, oh. We have more faith in ourselves. See, this is where it gets more personal. Because we say we have faith in God, but we take control of everything in our life. We have faith in God called me. And here's what's wonderful is that God will take you to a place where you have no more power. He will allow your tank to get so very empty. I heard the story of a lifeguard. He was teaching a, a, a parent about lifeguarding. And one of the kids was going under the water, and the dad was immediately like, you got to go save him. And the lifeguard said, hold on a second. We got to wait. And the dad's sitting there like, what do you mean we got to wait? We got to get in that pool. We got to rescue him. And he says, I got to wait for that last bubble. What are you talking about? I got to wait for the fight to be over. Then I can go rescue him. 
Because if a lifeguard tries to rescue somebody too quickly, all they do is fight. And God will allow us to get to that last air bubble moment where then he comes in and he moves in power. Because only then will we stop fighting him. So I'm not sure what your blindness is. Like whatever that thing is, you're like, I don't believe that God can move in power in, in that thing. And I'm like, if he can move in power in this, what's too hard for him? What's too impossible for him? May seeing be believing, verse 30, and their sight was restored. I mean, at that very moment, they could see like light hit their restored retinas, that light-sensitive layer, that tissue at the back of the eye, those special cells called photoreceptors turned the light into electrical signals. Those electrical signals traveled uh, through the retina to the optic nerve to the brain. The brain turned the signals into images, and they could see. And you want to know the first person they saw? <laughs> How crazy is that? First person they saw was Jesus. You know, it makes me think of, like, eternal life. You know, where, where there's just, like, total healing, like, total. Like, the person who goes through this life unable to see, like, the first person they're ever going to see is Jesus. The person that goes through life unable to hear, the first thing they're going to hear is his voice. The person who goes through this life handicapped, unable to move, the first person they dance with is Jesus. It's crazy. We just saw a miracle. In heaven, there is no blindness or deafness. There is there's no physical limitations. I want you to look at verse 32. Because the blind men leave. Jesus tells them not to spread the news. They spread the news. Jesus is like, I want to send you to the temple so that they, they can hear that the king has come. But they're like, no, no, we're going to go do our own thing. And I just want to say this. Don't get healed and then go do your own thing. I will often hear people like they're praying, they're like, God, please heal me, God heals me, heals them, and then they're like, okay, back to me. Verse 32, while they were going out, the blind men, which is funny because they're no longer blind men, they're now seeing men, which is cool because Jesus just radically changed their identity. And that's exactly what he does in our life. Whatever that, whatever that title we had is now changed in Jesus now, as they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. I wonder who brought this man to Jesus. Probably somebody that really loved him. That's like the most loving thing you can do is bring somebody to Jesus. Because that's who a sufferer really needs. I mean, think of the unspeakable hell this person was going through. They were possessed by demons but unable to speak. They could not convey their agony. They were trapped in this internal hell. And, and that's not just in the scriptures. That's in people's lives right now. And people can't cry out because they, they don't want other people to know. So we all just carry on like everything's good, everything's happy, everything's good. And then we realize later on, looking back, that person's life was falling apart. What people need more than anything is Jesus. And what this world needs is people who are going to carry others to Jesus. You have been healed for a purpose. Be a healer. Bring people to Jesus. And so Jesus drives out, verse 33, the demon, the man who had been mute, spoke. 
<laughs> what do you think the first word he said was? I have no idea, but it would be cool if it was Jesus. I mean, it could have been Abba Zaba. I, I don't know, but it would have been really cool if his first word was Jesus. Because I'd imagine that name never left his mouth the rest of his life. Anytime there are true healings, body restored, demons cast out, people set free, it's always a work of God. And there have been profound miracles throughout the church's history. There still are, to, still are today. Sometimes we talk about healings like they don't really happen, but they do. One of our members shared with me this week a story. She was pregnant and had gone and gotten a sonogram. And in that particular sonogram, a cyst was found, a big one. That's a big, scary thing. And so the doctor immediately scheduled her for a specialist. So before she gets to the specialist, a woman came and prayed over her, placing hands and praying over her for healing. She went to the specialist. They did another sonogram, and the cyst was gone. <laughs> they prayed, and then the cyst was gone. And then that, that beautiful baby boy was born healthy. That's a miracle. So out of curiosity, just anybody in here, just raise your hand. If anybody in here has ever experienced a miracle or have ever experienced the powerful work of God in their life or ever experienced a healing, could you just raise your hand up? Be careful. Faith might break out, right? <laughs> like, keep it up there. You have experienced the power of God in your life. You have experienced the miraculous, Yes. I want you all to look around, church. Jesus does move in power. We need to share those stories. We need to tell because what it does is it increases our faith. And the more faith we have, the more we see God move in power. Amen. But the Pharisees, verse 34, and we'll end here. Um, I say end here. This never ends. The Christian life never ends. But the Pharisees said... Well, it's by the prince of demons. This is a work of Satan. Obviously. See, religious people are always tearing down a work of God. Always. And they got it wrong. This week, I got it wrong. I got it wrong in a big way. I was convinced I was right. You ever been so convinced you were right, everyone else was wrong? I mean, I know it's a miracle. Everyone else, it's crazy. How could everyone else be wrong? I know, but I was right. <laughs> and then I prayed, and then I came to realize that I was utterly wrong. Y'all, I think we got it wrong. I think we got it wrong to say that what we're reading in the New Testament is something that happened back then but doesn't happen today. I think we got that wrong. And I think it's time for us to believe what it says because this recorded here and Holy Spirit has recorded it here for our edification. You ever wonder why there's so many miracles in the scriptures? It's not just like dangling things in front of us that God's saying, well, I did it then, but I won't do it now. It's to increase our faith, to pray bigger prayers, to believe bigger things, to take our ruler and throw it away, to take our tape measure and throw it in the other direction. And I answer the question, do you believe that Jesus is able? Do you believe that Jesus is able to move in power in your life today? Yes. 
Do you need Jesus to move in power in your life today? If you need to have Jesus move in power in your life, put your hand up. I need Jesus to move in power. Keep that hand up. Lord, our hands are raised. Lord, we need you to move in power today. We believe your word. We believe, Jesus, you are the healer. We believe, Jesus, you are the savior. We believe, Jesus, you are the king. We believe, Jesus, that you have not left us as orphans, that you have given us of your spirit. We believe, Holy Spirit, that you fill us, that your presence is here, that, Jesus, you move in power in your church. And so hands are raised. Some are asking for healing at the inner depths of their being. Some are asking for physical healing. Some are asking for miracles that, Lord, are unspoken, but they're being spoken to you right now. Increase our faith. Increase our prayers. Increase, Lord. If today you feel so moved and you know in your heart of hearts, like today is the day where you give your life to Jesus, like you're ready to invite Jesus into your life, like you're not going to hide from him anymore. You're going to believe in him. Belief is the door. It opens. When you believe in Jesus, the whole spiritual life comes flooding. And so today, if you need Jesus in your life, just raise your hand. Say, I need Jesus in my life today. Jesus, save my life. Jesus, heal my life. I invite you all the way into my heart. I invite you all the way into my soul. So, Lord, we ask today for a fresh filling. Holy Spirit, fall upon your church. Fill your church with your presence. Move in power today. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Oh, that our faith would increase. Let's stand together. If you need prayer today, we will have prayer partners up front waiting for you. Elders, ladies, come on down. And we're going to sing together. Did you know one of the ways that Holy Spirit manifests His presence in us? is through singing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, do not be drunk with wine which is really good for me because I'm a recovered alcoholic and, and I, I used to love getting drunk with wine, but you know what that kept me from being? Filled with the Spirit. But today I've been delivered. And so the scriptures, and don't tell me God doesn't do miracles. Woo. But be filled with the Spirit. And you know what'll happen? Psalms, hymns, spiritual song, making music and melody from our hearts to the Lord. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing. And if you need prayer today for anything, we're gonna pray by faith. We're gonna ask by faith and we're gonna believe by faith. If you need anything today and you need prayer, come on down and we're gonna pray with you as we sing. And then we will close in benediction.
courage. <laughs> Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again next week, same time, same place. And do not forget, family, our love. Now let's love one another. Let's go love our moms. Let's go shower them with love and affection. And let's go rock the streets with Jesus.